So from Nepal, I went to Tibet. And so I was going to check out the um, Himalayas in both countries. And when I thought about Tibet before traveling, I thought about Shangri-La. You know, it had that very mysterious mystique to it. Um, Of course, the Dalai Lama. Um, uh, and Potala Palace in Lhotse and um, there was this uh, photographer Galen Rao who had this beautiful picture of um, a rainbow going into uh, Potala Palace and Lhotse what am I talking about Lhasa losing my my mind and that you know Lhasa was like this lost city if you will and um the Snow Leopard. I read the book The Snow Leopard. And so, um, I don't know, Tibet just had sort of this mystical, magical uh, allure to it. And um, I really had no idea what to expect. I was very excited. So, okay, so what did I write about? Um, it's so exciting. Uh, let's see here. May 1st, 2004. Um, so this is like almost a year from when I left. Um so, uh, okay, long drive. The part through Nepal followed a nice river valley, very green and tropical, lots of terraced hillsides, poor people. Looks like India that way. Then the border crossing. What a trip. Total chaos. Took a while, and then you have to walk about two, about half a mile with all of your stuff up some dusty, muddy road through road construction. I have this unwieldy box of stuff I wanted to send from Kathmandu, but it was too much of a pain. Now it's really a pain. The road rises steeply and has some very, very big steep drops to the sides. It keeps switchbacking. If you look at the road behind you, you think, oh my God, we came up that However, there is room. It is a bump, it's bumpy and muddy. You go bouncing all over the place. Left at 6 a.m., um, a guide at destination in the dark at 8, oh, arrived at our destination in the dark at 8 p.m., so 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh, the driver was wiping away um the fog on the windows we are in a small mountain rest stop town called uh naya lamu a cool funky little guest house comfortable uh may 2nd that was one hell of a travel day i have never been jostled and vibrated around like that and it was from 9 a.m to 8 p.m the road is dirt and rutted. The bus just doesn't handle it well. We did see a spectacular view of Everest and Choyo from Tibet. They form this wall of white and then desert. The first part of the day looked like the moon or Mars, literally. Just rock and dirt. We went over two big passes, one 5,220 meters or 17,000 feet. At the top, you look into the main part of Tibet, and it was a sea of brown mountains with a few snow-covered. Then we descended 3,000 feet in 20 minutes. Talk about rough. 
but into a nice open valley where um, we are tonight. Uh, let's say you get the feeling Tibet is the end of the earth. Pretty cool. It looks a lot like Nevada with the brown mountains, but much drier and barren. Did pass several mud brick villages and saw the people telling, tilling the soil with yaks. Looks like they have a very tough life. Also saw old ruins, probably um, lookout towers. Um, on Those are on mountains or lookout towers or temples. May 3rd through May 5th, a few pretty eventful days. I got really sick the last two days. I had a fever, not too high, but lasted all day, just when it break, some nasty Asian virus. Luckily, that was only a uh, two-hour drive yesterday. Um, yesterday, uh, two-hour drive day. Yesterday, however, was 11 hours. I was in a daze pulling into Lhasa. I feel like I'm definitely on the road to recovery today. We saw the um, Tashi Lumpo Monastery in Shigatsi and walked around the uh, market. Uh, that's the night I got sick. Uh, the drive to Giantse, we saw fertile, val- fertile valleys and the Tibetan farmers out in full force with yaks plowing the fields. Uh, the women follow behind sprinkling the seeds. The yaks had these red decorative plumes, made the yaks look like uh, decorated soldiers. Uh, they grow mostly barley, carrots, potatoes, some wheat, and corn, um, and corn at lower elevations. We are always above 4,000 meters here, uh, times three. That's so about 12,000 feet uh, and higher, actually. Uh, beautiful scenery, beautiful scenery the last three days. More fertile valleys, always with the planting going on. Isolated villages, all with exactly the same white white mud brick homes. They look like little castles. They are big at the bottom and narrow towards the top. All four corners have um, square uh, square something or another turret, and above the door, um, square something, and above the door. Oh. And above the door and windows, they have these ornately painted floral patterns on wood. The wood is just decorative. The whole decorative portion really stands out because it is so much nicer than the rest of the home. Uh, Giance had a cool fort on a hill and a monastery. I did not see because I was sick. <laughs> Yesterday, we came across a very high glacial-covered range topped by huge snow-covered holy um, mountain 24,000 feet high. It was more beautiful because it stood out so from the brown mountains we'd been seeing. Also drove past one of the longest lakes I've ever seen. Turquoise in color, very pretty. And through the longest construction zone ever. Had to go off-road constantly. Very annoying. Ah, here in Lhasa. May 5th through May 8th. Some tough days. My fever broke one day and then returned for the next two. I still do not feel quite right, but no fever for now. We toured a monastery on the side of the hill that overlooked Lhasa. Same terrain style as um, in the eastern Sierras. 
went to each uh, assembly hall and um, shrine room. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Tired of the smell of yak butter. Nasty. That is what the worshippers offer at the shrines. Um, it was cool to see the many Tibetans uh, moving through the shrines and paying their respects. Also went to the Summer Palace. Yesterday went to Potala Pal Palace, the big one. I was very sick. Took all my energy and I still left early. Disappointing. Mostly one shrine room after another. Thought we seed more living area and uh, meeting areas. It was um, the political seat. Um, could have been because of the Chinese guide was a novice. Poor English. People were in giggles about it. Not nice, but he was pretty bad. Um, uh, today, um, the one activity I could handle was going to the airline's office and getting my ticket to Xi'an. Had to do battle with those who do not stand in line. <laughs> Two guys went in front. When my turn came, I poked one in the back and made my intentions clear. He moved behind. The other tried some lame excuse that I needed a form. I showed him I already had it. He was still a pain, more so because he was with a girl. I'm sure he was trying to impress. He said something which sounded like an insult, so I told him, fuck you. <laughs> It caused quite a commotion. A girl behind me uh, imitated uh, in Chinese accent. Um, however, I started out my, uh, I staked out my, um, so what did I say? A girl behind me imitated in Chinese accent. Oh, imitated me, I guess. Uh, however, I staked out my territory and got to the counter ahead of the line of the line cheaters. Actually, there is no concept of a line here. The two women ahead of me became very friendly and helping me out, translating for me, telling me about the bus service to the airport. Maybe they were uh, happy someone stood up to those guys. It reinforces something. Humans will always try to take advantage of those who will not stand up for themselves. It tells me you always need to be strong. I'm talking as a nation as well, and force is required against people like this. Peace, not war, is a dream. Peace, not war, is a dream. There will always be the few who will take more than their fair share unless dealt with forcibly. Also, why do some societies have a line slash queue and others don't? Seems to work well in the U.S. Enough philosophy. Tibet has been great. Post office and internet tomorrow. Then Xi'an. Should also mention some travel mates on the bus. Bjorn, a 59-year-old German traveling for two years away from his wife, at first seemed to be a pain, but turned out to be fun and the most mischievous of the group. He would take pictures where not supposed to. He'd just stand there and smile and wait for everyone to pass, then snap away. 
He had this very warm, open smile that would, that would catch the locals. They would smile back, always a reaction. Danny and Val from England and Australia, female and male traveling together. But don't think going out. Val was great fun, but talked so much BS about this and that. Had no idea what he was talking about. Um, um, uh, Thai? Thai American hippie from New York. Uh, twirled sticks almost got arrested in Lhasa because he created a crowd. I also met well. Uh, I also met well for about one minute. This really cute girl, Shannon. I had seen her at the hotel restaurant days before, and one night would have said hello, but I was so sick. <laughs> Saw her down in the lobby and said hello. She was really friendly. Too bad we could not have talked more. She was Malaysian and on her way to Kathmandu the next day. Had the instant physical attraction to her. That doesn't happen every day. (laughs) Um, In other words, she was smoking hot. All right. So that is the end of my Lhasa um, uh, diary entry. Whoa, so uh, a lot uh, to cover in Tibet that I did not cover in my journal. Um, brings back a lot of memories. Uh, so, you know, I got on a bus. It was probably like a, I don't know, 12-person bus. Uh, shook like you couldn't believe. Um, but anyway, uh, so you got out, started in Kathmandu, and um, we probably drove, I don't know, stayed over at like, uh, four or five nights before we got to Lhasa, and then we were in Lhasa for a couple nights, three nights maybe. And um, uh, you know, memories uh, are uh, going through the valleys, um, through Nepal uh, River Valley, and then up this this pass, like I said, with the um, switchbacks, very narrow road. Um, and then it got in this very high valley, I remember, with a river, very a creek. You know, it's very pretty. And then we spent the night at this um, this guest house there, which was, you know, comfortable. And then the next day, we were, we covered that we went over this high mountain pass, and it was just desolate. It was bare and brown. And you get out, but you have this killer view of the Himalayas. But you're now looking at them from the northern side. So if you've ever been to... Um, I live in California, the the Sierras, and if you go on the eastern side of the Sierras in the, the kind of in the southern area near uh, Bishop and uh, Mammoth and everything, you will notice that on the eastern side of, of the Sierras, it's very, very dry. And this is something that happens in all mountain ranges because uh, whatever the prevailing winds are, the um, it brings moisture uh, from an ocean up, up, up. And then as the air cools, it dries and drops its precipitation, and it, all the precipitation is sort of wrung out of the clouds, if you will. And so on the other side, there's nothing left. There's no rain to fall, and so it's always dry. And that's exactly what it's like in um, Tibet, and especially in the shadow of this massive Himalayas. But uh, at this pass, you could see this literally this wall of white, and Everest looked completely different from the other side. It, it's like this vertical wall. Uh, really interesting to see. Looked completely different than it looked uh, where I saw it from the other side, and also Choyo. But it's just this mammoth, mammoth um, mass of white. It's gorgeous. 
And um, then we stayed in a couple of these, um, you know, smaller um, cities, villages, towns. And some of the things that you would just see throughout uh, Tibet, I'll just just kind of do a running litany of a uh, list of them um fields uh with yaks and peasants toiling the soil uh the yaks had these bright colored little headdresses like maybe the british soldiers would wear i would think because it's like good luck or something for the planting um you know very brown throughout uh tibet um the the villages were filled with these white homes they were made out of uh mud but they were painted white and they had like a wood frame over the top of the door with some floral decoration very um unique distinct tibetan coloring lights you know pinks and reds and blues and all the colors of the you know they have these colors on the prayer flags you know blue is the sky red is is fire green is uh you know, I don't know all of it, but they, you know, they're very big on the primary colors. They're a little lighter in color, but very distinctive artwork and prayer flags all, you know, on every single house. Um, but, you know, whole like villages of these things kind of piled on top of one another. All the same. They all look the same. And, um, you know, we, we would go to these uh, towns and there was always a big monastery and, um, you know, they were basically deserted because the Chinese, when they invaded, they, they got rid of the monks for the most part. Um, but you would go into these monasteries and some of them were just really cool. You'd see all this amazing artwork. You go into the inner sanctums and they had these um, like, you know, huge statues of gods and they're always like monsters. They have these wild eyes and the, the artwork would show them, you know, these um, monsters basically. And they'd all – but the um, – the uh, statues were usually uh, and, and all of their um, I don't know I can see it's like jewelry but everything they had a lot of gold and sil- not a lot of gold but silver and um, precious stones uh, coral was a big one topaz um, uh, turquoise and these inner sanctums you would just like the riches that were in there were kind of mind-boggling because you saw the peasants and they had nothing and it was just like so much of the national gdp went into these monasteries into the riches that were there and it wasn't just the the statues and the gems and whatnot um it was the uh uh tapestries um and the uh the monasteries themselves the architecture uh really quite impressive but uh, had seemed to me more than their fair share of the wealth. Um, and the yak butter did stink. It had a di- distinctive kind of nasty smell. Um, and um, in some of these places, we did see monks. So we saw one room where all the monks were in there. And, and it's kind of disturbing because they had like little kids, you know, but they're all in their orange robes and they're chanting their omnipodnum. And it was that was kind of interesting. Um, and... Um, yeah, and the, and the 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 geography, you know, very brown. You go over these high mountain passes. We did see a few big, huge sort of solo mountains that were covered in snow, and one had a huge glacier. And we went over the summit of that glacier, and you know, uh, really pretty. And and then we remember we followed this huge lake. All this construction going on on the road, which drove us nuts. And the roads, you know, we shook like the inside of my organs were shaken, not stirred. I mean, it, it was just. I wanted to, it was just really uncomfortable. But uh, anyway, Lhasa, which was sort of the, you know, Shangri-La and the end of the road was fascinating because um, 
uh, you could see a lot of the Chinese and in some of these other cities too, they had done a lot of infrastructure. Um, so they had like big squares and a lot of this, you know, wide streets and it was all obviously, um, uh, the money was spent by the Chinese government and they were forcibly, not forcibly, but they were incentivizing the Han Chinese to move to the cities in Tibet to take it over. And in uh, Lhasa, um, I, I don't know the percentage, I would guess maybe 50% were Chinese, but it was still cool. Like our hotel, you could walk around the streets and they had markets and you could see the locals and the you know the other thing is about the Tibetans. They have a very distinctive face, as do facial features, as do the, the Nepalis, and they, they look a little different. But they have these flat, wide faces, high cheekbones, and the um, Tibetans had even a more distinct face like that, maybe a little flatter, higher cheekbones, and they were tall. I remember these women um, you'd see kind of going in and out of the monasteries sometimes, locals, and they're all dressed distinctively. Like I want to say, like blackish kind of. Um, you know, robish type of things. Uh, but they, they looked like some of the Native Americans. And so that's very obvious that, you know, they were related somehow to a group of, of people who had, who had walked over to um, North America. Um, but they, they had kind of those distinctive um, hair patterns sometimes, like you would see, I think, well, they had long braided hair. I guess I'm, I'm I'm thinking Navajo. I guess they didn't have that, but uh, but they were tall. They were definitely tall, and some of them, the women especially, so. And um, uh, what else? What else? Um, in Lhasa, um, they have this other temple. So they have the Potala Palace, which was like where the Dalai Lama lived and everything. And it's this big political seat, but it's really inactive at this point. And we went around town and we saw where the Dalai Lama uh, grew up, his summer palace where he lived. It was just a small room and they're like, there's his bed and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's, it's cool seeing that stuff. But nearby, there's this other palace complex. And um, this one is very sacred. And, and, and people in the evening, like hundreds of people, if not thousands, would, would walk around this complex doing a little circuit and um, all with their little omnipodnum handheld prayer wheels. And they'd all be spinning these things. And anyway, I got a lot of good video, a lot of smiles, people, you know, pretty distinctive looking and people were, you know, pretty curious and stuff. So that It just felt like going to the ends of the earth. It was truly uh, off the beaten track. Um, you know, I was on a tour with maybe, like I said, eight or ten other, other Westerners. And there were other Westerners we saw, but not not many. And the other thing is I just got horribly sick. That's like the only time in my travels where I, I, I was really, truly very ill. And um, uh, I remember, you know, it hit me on the way to Lhasa and I thought I was over it. And then it just doubled down. And I remember laying in my room in my sleeping bag just sweating it out for like, I think, a couple of days. But I even made it out. Uh, you know, to get out and see the sights and go to that Potala Palace. But I was like, I was dragging. Um, and one thing I remember before I forget is on the way to Lhasa, one of these little tiny towns, not even a town, just like a couple little um, uh, buildings, we stopped and had lunch. And apparently in that area, there were so few um, uh, women and the men, and it's so poor you know, the men could not afford a dowry. So this is one of the few places in the world where there's polygamy, but uh, reverse. So there were multiple men for every woman. <laughs> so these women that were serving us, our guide was telling us, yeah, she's got two husbands. And typically they'd be like brothers or something like that. 
So uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, not not sure. We're just kind of a stream of consciousness there. I forgot about fighting for my plane ticket. Um, obviously, the illness I think had affected me a bit, but um, yeah, uh, you you do learn. You got to fight for yourself in this life, and that uh, you know. I don't know why, you know, you wouldn't think you'd have to fight for a plane ticket. But anyway, I I felt the need to uh, stand, you know, uh, stand up to these folks who just cut in line. It's it's kind of a thing in Asia, but uh, (laughs) I will not stand for it. Anyway, that that was Tibet and um, really cool place. Really, really um, uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen. So I wish I could, you know, describe it more uh, meaningfully, but um, I've just tried to describe what I remember.